You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On SEC Podcast. Great to have you guys here. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. On today's show, we will conclude our week-long SEC West preview. We finish things up with the Aggies of Texas A&M. We will catch up with Billy Lucci of texags.com to find out if this is the year Jimbo Fisher and company take that next step. We will also preview the whole slate of SEC games today with Lynn Scarborough of LindySports.com. You do not want to miss this. We will break down each and every game this Saturday in the SEC with Lynn Scarborough. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out five days a week. Super excited to uh, get into it with Game Week tomorrow on the show. You do not want to miss it. Peter Burns from the SEC Network. We'll talk some odds and ends and numbers with him going into this first weekend of SEC games. But without further ado, let's jump right into it. Catching up with Billy Lucci from texags.com to preview the uh, the Aggies this season. Lucci, what's going on, man? Oh, man, great. How about yourself? We're doing good that we finally are here, uh, SEC game week. We're getting some games, and hopefully all goes well coming up this weekend, a full slate of action. But your just general thoughts on where we are, actually getting some games going, and we'll have uh, a football game being played at Kyle Field come Saturday night. Well, I mean, you say that now, you never know. As, as, <laughs> it's true. As the folks in Houston have learned down there, um, what is this, four games in a row they've had yeah. canceled. But, yeah, it, it seems like all systems are go, and that's really exciting. In the SEC, we know how much college football means, and I think we learned that more than ever uh, during this pandemic. And, and, and now to finally be there and have it back, I think it's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Let's discuss this Aggie football team because the one thing that you need for a successful season is a veteran signal caller. And, you know, we look at what Joe Burrow did last year, Tua did at Alabama. A&M, you know, is one of the few teams in the SEC that does bring back that veteran signal caller in Kellen Mond. Talk about expectations for him this season and then, you know, also losing a Jamon Osmond who decides to opt out. And look, every guy has their, their uh, right to do what they need to do for themselves. But that combined with the injury to, to Cam Buckley and, and everything else, just talk about what this receiving core is going to look like for uh, Kellen. Losing Jamon hurt. I mean, he was in contention to be a top five player on this team. Uh, before camp, I would have absolutely had him in there. After that, I think a couple guys moved up and, and would have certainly been in that discussion. I think that, that I think you're for Damani Richardson, DeMarvin Leal. Kellen Mond and Anaya Smith in no particular order. And there's about a half dozen guys that you go from five to ten on, you'd, you'd consider. And Jamal was among that. And he was the one guy with real experience after and, and he and Buckley. And Buckley got hurt prior to that. So you really were hoping to lean on him, especially early in the season. I think we're not having Jamon Hurts the most is going to be uh, on third downs, but especially like early and like at next two weeks from now at Bama, you know, that that's going to be the one where you're like, gosh, you wish you had a veteran presence, but they've got playmakers at wideouts. 
They just don't have guys that have been able to show it yet. And I think you'll have a group that gets does a better job of getting open than any group Jimbo's had, you know, in his first two years at A&M, that, that get open. And I think there's more speed. There's more athleticism. As the season goes on, you'll see a hell of a lot more. DeMond Demas, who has a chance to be really special, five-star receiver signee. But uh, that's where Kellen comes in. You know, Kellen's got to be, you know, he's going to have to carry a lot early on. And, and by that, I mean he the running game. He's got a, He should have a better running game to support him. He's got a tight end there in Jalen Weidemeyer, who's one of the best in the SEC. But I think Kellen Mond is going to have to play the best he's played. And, and, look, he looked like that in fall camp, by far the best fall camp he's ever had, not even close. He's looked like a different guy. Um, the way he ran the ball when he was struggling to complete passes in that bowl game against Oak State, I think that kind of opened not only his eyes but the staff to say, look, we probably need to run number 11 more to put pressure on defenses and take some pressure off of him. Kellen's going to have to be one of the best couple quarterbacks in the SEC this year, I think, for A&M to surprise folks and get into that 8-2 and two or better type of realm, much less be a contender. But I do think you look around the league, there's no reason to think that Kellen Mond can't be in the discussion for, for first-team All-SEC. Uh, I think to do that, though, he's got to be pretty special because the Aggies are going to have to win a lot of games uh, for folks around the conference to look in, look in his direction. I think what I like is when I look at this offensive line, I see senior, senior, senior. I mean, it's it looks like a veteran group that that you can lean on. And then you, know, you kind of hinted at it, but Isaiah Spiller was really good last year as a as a freshman. Yeah. And it's I think especially in a Jimbo Fisher offense, we know it starts with a good run game that can help set up the play action pass and start moving the ball down the field. Yeah, that they miss they miss that running game. In big games last year, they missed Travion Williams. You know, he he struggled early in 2018 against Clemson and Alabama, and, and, and that hurt them. But then, you know, his last couple games against really good defenses, he went off against Auburn. Their defense fell apart there at the end, and they lost that one. But went for 200 yards against LSU and about 250 in their bowl game. And just by the end of that season, they're running the ball, and everything everything opened up. Last year, you know, Isaiah had, like you said, a really nice freshman season, and he was pretty damn good against teams like Mississippi State, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and, and people kind of forget that, and they, they, you know, they focus on Oklahoma State. He was a weapon. Now they have to step up and do that against the real defense, which is Auburn, LSU, Alabama, Florida, and maybe even Tennessee this year. For them to win those games, you know, they've got to be able to run the football. And that's that's Jimbo Fisher. You go back his whole career. Florida State, LSU, they can sling it around. You look at the first-round quarterbacks, Russell, Ponder, Manuel, Winston. Now you look at even, even guys like Rohan Davey that's sling it around. But in order to – all his offenses that have been super successful, they've run the hell out of the football. And that's what the, these two guys are going to be counted on to do. But I think you nailed it talking about that O-line. A quick thought on the defense. Another year under Mike Elko. And, 
you know, just looking at what they did last year, you know, outside of a couple games like the LSU game. But, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and what Clemson was supposed to be, I thought they did a good job there. The Georgia game, obviously the weather played a factor, but did a good job holding Georgia under 20. What what can we expect under Mike Elko in another year running the defense? I think Elko's so good. I really do. And I think uh, hanging on to him prior to last season, was was significant because it was that Temple job gave him a chance to kind of go home and get that first head coaching gig, uh, and they they stepped up and kept him, paid him, and it's paying off dividends. I, if you look at the bottom two classes of this defense, and, and you didn't add a single recruit on defense like twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, they're coming, you know. But if you just looked at those bottom two classes and said, "Here, make a defense." Put together what your defense is going to look like in 2021 and 2022, and you could make you could put enough talent on the field where you go, okay, this will match up with anybody in the SEC. And I don't care if you're talking Bama, if you're talking Georgia, LSU. That talent is there on the lower the lower classes, and there's more of it coming. For right now, I think this defense takes a huge jump this season because I think for the first time. You can put guys that are all-conference candidates at all three levels of the defense. You know, even without Anthony Hines, who I don't think was an all-conference type of guy. I think he was a guy that, you you know, like in a, in a perfect storm as a junior, could have been like a honorable mention all-conference type of guy. I mean, he was, he was productive. You'll miss, you'll miss that experience there. But Buddy Johnson is that. I think they've got multiple guys up front and Bobby Brown and DeMarvin Leal, not to mention they've got just a nice blend of veterans and youth, you know, uh, at, at really all three levels. But where they make the biggest improvement this year, in my opinion, is in, is in the secondary. And I think that A&M secondary, they, Damani Richardson leading the way. They've got a senior, Miles Jones, and I think the five-star true freshman, Jalen Jones, you, I think you'll see him start Saturday in his first college game. Uh, at corner, and they've got a lot of options at safety at that opposite spot. Talk with Billy Lucci, TexAgs.com. Last thing for you, Billy, the uh, the schedule. Look, it is what it is. You can't do anything about it. You're playing ten SEC games, but I kind of like it. Sets up with the you know the this quote unquote easy game against Vandy this weekend. Then yeah, it's a tough stretch going to Bama and then playing Florida. But the meat of you know the middle of the schedule works out pretty well before you get those last two against LSU and then Auburn at Auburn. Uh, you know, look if you can survive the storm, maybe split Alabama and Florida, you got a chance to run off a bunch of wins there in the middle of the schedule. Yeah, I think the way you just set it up, that Florida game is so big. I mean, look, Bama's big because of what it could be if you were to win that game. I mean, but that's such an upset you're, you're talking about there. It would be the biggest upset of, I wouldn't say the whole college football season because I imagine things are going to be pretty crazy, but it would be, you know, the biggest upset of the early season. No one would see that coming. So let, let's just say things, you know, chalk holds these first two weeks. And if you're one and one and you're going into a home game with Florida, a team that I think you match up with, I mean, I think those are like evenly matched teams. I really do. You go into that football game, if you come out of that with a win, yeah, you, you've got a chance there. I mean, you know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina. Then you set up another showdown with Tennessee. And then you go, you know, and you've got Ole Miss coming to Kyle Field and your final two. If you can get to those final two games, 
even with two losses, I think by then A&M, because of some of the key guys and key young guys at key positions, I think you set up a really nice situation to go in and battle uh, Auburn and Al- Auburn and LSU in those last two. So this Florida game to me is a huge swing because if you beat Florida, there is a chance you'll be favored in every one of those games. Tennessee is the wild card, you know. Tennessee's got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of physicality. I'm just still not buying Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee until I see how they fare against real teams. They beat a lot of teams down the stretch last year that weren't very good, and they barely beat a lot of them. So I, I think the people got a little too hyped about them. So let's see where Tennessee's at. But, I mean, A&M, there's a chance if they beat Florida that they'd be favored in every game until you know until those last two against LSU and and, uh, and Auburn. So it'll be interesting. That Florida one, to me, swings the outlook of, of the entire season. He is Bill Lucci, TexAgs.com. Uh, let our listeners know what you guys uh, got got up on the website this week heading into week one. Well, a lot of game preview, as you might imagine. I'm, I'm working on that today. We had something go out yesterday. We do the little, you know, TexAgs famous anyway, Ask Lucci segment. We're doing the uh, podcast tonight, myself and the big truth, Hunter Goodwin. Where he, he'll break down a game like no other. And then uh, Friday, the final countdown with the McKinney brothers, the game preview. And uh, we'll do the post-game wrap. And I've got a, just one thing really special for a lot of the uh, Aggies listening and maybe even just some not only SEC fans but SWC fans doing a podcast early next week with the entire A&M starting secondary from 1991, which includes first-round pick Patrick Bates. That's going to be a fun one to just tell some old wrecking crew stories and kind of get their assessment on uh, that Mike Elko defense you were talking about. That sounds uh, that sounds cool. I'm really going to have to check that out. Billy Lucci, TexAgs.com. Billy, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, always, and enjoy enjoy your football this weekend. I know, I know we're all planning on it. <laughs> we absolutely will. Thanks so much, Billy Lucci there, TexAgs.com, covering the uh, Texas A&M Aggies, and really intrigued to see what the Aggies can do this year. They were prime prior to the schedule changing to uh, everybody saying this could have been their year with Jimbo there, uh, you know, been there a couple of years now and a veteran quarterback in Kellen Mond. But man, things change up your schedule and suddenly it's Alabama and Florida week two and three changes a little bit of your expectations for this season. All right, coming up next, we will get into previewing the slate of games this weekend with Lynn Scarborough, LindySports.com. That's next. Look, let's face it. When you need something for your car, a lot of times we always feel like, oh, it's just easy. Let me just run to, to the chain store across town and go get what I need and walk up and down the aisles. And then got people pestering me. Hey, can I help you find what you're looking for? And then half the time they don't even know where to find it. They got to go type it into the computer to find the part. Save yourself the hassle. Go to rockauto.com. They will find what you are looking for for your vehicle. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years rockauto.com the place to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything that you need we talked about it before brake parts 
tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, whatever you're looking to do, whether it's a new car, car, an old car, a classic, whatever you need for your car, rockauto.com has all the parts available for your car or truck. When you go there, make sure you're right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car is ever going to need. Save yourself the hassle, rockauto.com. Locked on SEC podcast rolls on this week. It is officially SEC game week, and we are super excited. Counting down the days to the start of another SEC football season. A weird one with a weird schedule. And a guy who's been covering SEC football for a long time is our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn, had to be one of the weirdest off-seasons for you. I know I picked up my Lindy's uh, season preview guide early in the off-season, and man, that thing, as soon as they... You know, pushed everything back and changed the schedule around, and a lot changed in those magazines. But I still got mine. I still use it to reference some of those depth charts. Yeah, well, the you know, we we really thought about what to do on, on this, on whether or not to go ahead and print when we did, uh, and we we kind of rolled the dice, assuming that they would play, knowing that that there would be some changes. And but uh, I think the the audience, uh, the list, the reading audience for us, and and for I'm sure probably other people in our industry. Uh, has has been uh, kind and patient. I think they've understood what we're having to deal with. And like you just said, the lineups, the players, other than the ones that have opted out, I know there have been some, and there have been some key players that have opted out. Other than that, the analysis of the teams and the ranking of the teams is pretty solid. Um, but, you know, your schedules are all are all wrong. We always take pride <laughs> in saying you can uh, keep keep us around and just look at your schedules when you can't do it this year. Yeah, but, uh, well, but other than that, it's a strong magazine, and uh, I'm glad we got it out. If anything, it becomes a collector's item, something you can always look back on on the season that could have been with uh, the rescheduling. But uh, thankfully, Lynn, we do have football, and we're going to have some games this weekend. Just curious your thoughts on some of the teams going into this season. If I told you to pick who at the end of the year you think will be the best quarterback in the West and the best quarterback in the East, not necessarily record-wise, but just statistically-wise, who do you think – uh, or who would be your pick in, in both conferences? Go, I'd go with Kellen Mond in the West. The, uh, he's a senior. Uh, he's been around. He's got size. He's got experience. Uh, he's not been consistent. And, and he hadn't been real consistent in the bigger games. The, uh, you know, the games against Alabama and Auburn and LSU that, you know, have not been his best ball games. And, and Texas A&M has, has, uh, has lost most of them. And, uh, I think that's the big thing that you got to look for from A&M is, uh, you know, with with uh, Jimbo coming from Florida State and the kind of money he's being paid, um, I know that that A and M fans are not uh, looking forward to you know being the fourth place team in that Western Division, uh, you know, every year. Uh, one of these days, that's got to turn around. I don't know that this will be the year, but it's a year that, uh, like you said, is strange. Uh, home field advantage is not going to matter as much because there's not many people there, and the bands aren't going to be on the field, and there's not going to be tailgating, and and a lot that goes into giving the team a home field advantage is not going to be there. And so this is a year when, when that won't matter as much. Um, I like, I like Kellen Mond. I think he's a very multi-talented guy. And, um, and I think he probably is the, is going to be the best quarterback in the, uh, in the West. And, and there are some good quarterbacks in the West. Uh, look out for Costello coming in at Mississippi State. Uh, he was a five-star guy when he signed at Stanford. Uh, he's very familiar with Mike Leach. Uh, both of them having been in the Pac-12. I think that's a, a place to look. Bo Nix, uh, freshman of the year in the Southeastern Conference last year, uh, and and on some uh, watch list already this year. 
He's very good, but their offensive line has just lost, you know, lost so much. We've got to see how that goes. So I'd go with Kellen Mond. In the East, I'd go with Kyle Trask at, um, at uh, Florida. Uh, you know, he, he really came on last year, and, uh, and from the middle of the year on, he was, he was very strong. He's, he's a clutch guy. Uh, you know, you've had a situation at Georgia where they thought they were going to have one transfer come in. Now it looks like they're going to have another transfer that's going to be, going to be their league guy, uh, Bentley. Uh, is no longer at South Carolina. I think he's now down at out at Utah. Felipe Franks, who was uh, who was in Gainesville, is now up in uh, up in Arkansas. So Arkansas will be playing uh, Florida. That'll be an interesting thing. Uh, I don't. I think Felipe Franks is, is penciled in as the starter. So that's um, you know that'll be an interesting thing. So, but I but I think Trask in mind. Uh, if if I, if I had to bet on it, that's who I'd go with. Which new coach do you think has the most success in year one? You've already mentioned Leach and bringing his fly, high-flying offense. You know, uh, Lane Kevin's a guy who's already coached in this conference before at multiple different stops. But in your mind, who, who has the most success in year one of the new guys? Boy, that's tough. I, maybe, maybe Mississippi State, maybe Missouri. Um, I know Missouri starts rough with, uh, with Alabama. But just take the other three. Arkansas is in a situation that's a team that's won one SEC game in the last two years. They're 0-8 last year. Uh, they lost two of their supposedly money non-conference games at home last year. Um, and they bring in a, a brand-new coaching staff. Uh, Sam Pittman is familiar with Arkansas, but he bring in a totally new coaching staff. And, um, you know, and so they got a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. they got a new coaching staff coming in. they got teams that didn't win, didn't, didn't win a game uh, last year. Uh, Felipe Frank's coming in. Uh, at uh, at quarterback, he's at least got experience there. And then when the SEC and its wisdom decided to add two more uh, teams for everybody, uh, they decided that the team that most deserved to have to add Florida and Georgia, uh, two teams in the preseason top five in the country, uh, goes to Arkansas, the team that's already maybe got the most difficult uh, situation in college football. So I'd, I'd say Arkansas, you would not think, uh, would, would be up there. Uh, if you look at Mississippi State and, and Ole Miss's schedule, you know, you look at both of those guys and say, if you know the winner, the winner of their game for the Egg Bowl, you know, probably determines if one of those guys has a winning season and can go to a bowl. Um, you know, in Missouri, again, you got Coach Drinkwitz coming in, uh, and they're not, you know, they're not exceptionally strong. They they don't have a whole lot of veteran people and didn't have a great year last year. So, I don't think any of the four are really positioned. To, to make noise, uh, I think the other guys all have a have a better situation. But if I if I had to go one or the other, I think I'd go with Mississippi State because of Leach's style. Uh, it's a style that's not as as much seen in the SEC, uh, and having Costello at quarterback. But his defenses have got to do better than what his defenses did at Washington, or he won't. I mean, Washington State, or he won't be winning a lot of games either. Talk with Lynn Scarborough, Lindy Sports, LindySports.com. All right, Lynn, it is officially game week. So I just want to hit on, uh, we'll just run through the games this weekend, and you just give me a pick who you think's going to win and maybe a reason SEC, or two SEC, why. SEC games only, right? Yeah, just the SEC games. We'll okay. start with right. the okay. 11 o'clock game. It'll be on SEC Network. It, this one should be a lot of fun. Number 23, Kentucky, at number 8, Auburn. I think it's going to be a very interesting ball game. Uh, I think if you looked at it just talent-wise, I mean, because of the the way that teams have recruited and 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 all, I mean, you got to go with Auburn for the for the talent-wise, and they're at home. But again, the home field advantage is not that great this year for everybody. Auburn's offensive line uh, lost four starters, uh, and so they're bringing in a lot of guys. Some of them had experience, but you got one guy who's going to have started. Kentucky on the flip side 
probably has the best offensive line in the SEC, and I think that probably includes Alabama. Uh, in Lindy's Magazine, we have, of course, an uh, all-SEC team uh, with five offensive linemen. Two of them came from Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky gets their quarterback back, I think, last year on, on offense, taking a wide receiver and making him into a quarterback and doing as well as they did, you know, showed a whole lot for them. Uh, Kentucky kind of went under the radar last year. Uh, they were in the top 30 in total defense in the country. Uh, people don't realize that because it just got so overshadowed by, you know, having other teams. We had four or five SEC teams, I think, that were in the top 20 in scoring defense. Well, there goes Kentucky at like 30, in, in, uh, 29 or 30 in, uh, in total defense. I really like Kentucky a lot. I think they are my dark horse team probably in the SEC. Um, I can't pick them against Auburn because Auburn's got probably got better players overall and they're playing at home. But uh, look out for Kentucky. And don't just look out for them against Auburn. Yeah. Look out for them against, against other teams. I really like Kentucky as a team that's, uh, that's a dark horse team. Yeah, so you're saying maybe uh, maybe they keep it closer than a lot of people expecting. How about the other 11 o'clock game, number five, Florida at Ole Miss? We get to see Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin to me is just a, such a wild card. I don't know what we're going to get from his team this year, but I do know Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask are absolutely loaded at Florida this year. Yeah, I can't take Ole Miss to win that game. The um, You know, Lane Kiffin will have a wide-open offensive team. He's got some skilled players. I like his quarterback. I think their quarterbacks are very uh, plumbly. Uh, I think that he's very talented and he's a good multi-threat quarterback. Um, but I, I don't believe they're going to have what it's going to take to, uh, to, uh, to stop Florida. Uh, coach Mullen, uh, he's not necessarily my favorite coach in the league, but you got to give the devil his due. Uh, when he was at Mississippi State, he had him number one in the country for several weeks. And that right there speaks all. You know, I, I don't think there's any team, any coach in the country could have ever gotten a Mississippi State to be number one in the country for a month. And uh, Dan Mullen did. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think he's got Florida turned around in the right direction, and I think you got to pick them to win that game. More games previewing this weekend with Lynn Scarborough right after this. Continuing to preview the first week weekend of SEC games, the slate this weekend with our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's sports.com let's take a look at some more games happening this weekend the first sec on cbs game of the the season mississippi state at lsu i know you already touched on a little bit but mississippi state uh big underdog against the reigning national champs at tiger stadium yeah you and i talked about that before we started doing this i you know lsu's got a better team i mean you know they're they're even though they lost an all-time record number of players uh, they're overall they're going to have have better talent than Mississippi State. Just look at the recruiting and the and the nature of the players. But uh, you know um, you know you'll be bringing the totally wide open offense with Mike Leach in there uh, with with Costello, who's a five star quarterback at Stanford, uh, and has started at Stanford in the Pac twelve. Uh, he and Leach are very familiar with each other, having played against each other in that league. And uh, now Mississippi State lost a whole lot of people. They don't have but maybe two or three defensive starters back uh, going against some real good skilled people for LSU. But uh, LSU lost a whole lot, uh, Chris. They, they lost like 14 players got drafted, another half dozen, uh, you know, got, got walk-on contracts or whatever. And, and, and then they had, uh, have had a couple of really good players opt out because of uh, COVID-19. So this is not your, your loaded LSU like we had last year. Uh, and and uh, having to have, um, I think Brennan is going to be the guy that's coming in starting at quarterback, and he's got the biggest shoes to fill that's been able to, that's had to be filled 
probably since Cam Newton left Auburn. So uh, I think it's going to be a you know a real challenge, and I hope the LSU fans are patient with LSU. I can't take LSU to lose at home in their season opener, but they're like an eighteen or nineteen point favorite, and um, uh, I can I can see Mississippi State getting a lot of yards and a good many points on on most anybody. Uh, I really will be surprised if LSU covers that line. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Mississippi State would have upset them, but I I can't pick that. But uh, but I, I do expect it to be a very entertaining ball game. I'm looking forward to seeing it. The other uh, afternoon game, Lynn, will be on SEC Network number four. Georgia is at Arkansas. I know at the time of recording this, JD, JT Daniels still hasn't officially been cleared. And I right. keep hearing more and more about this kid, Dewan Mathis, and, and how the, the coaching staff has been impressed with him at quarterback. I'm going to go out on a limb, Lynn, and I'm going to say Dewan Mathis gets the start for Georgia this weekend. And I'm going to say he looks really good on the road at Arkansas. What do you think, Georgia at Arkansas? Oh, I think so, too. I mean, you know, I already touched at it earlier in our conversation right here when we talked about Arkansas. You know, as, the, as, as my, my mother and grandmother, you know what I said, will bless their hearts because they've got, they've got everything stacked against them except the fact that they're playing at home and they don't have a home crowd or anything like that to, uh, to help them. I, I just can't see Georgia uh, having any trouble with Arkansas at all. Now, if the quarterback situation goes the way you said, and neither, of course, they're, the Wake Forest quarterbacks already uh, opted out, and uh, and they don't get the quarterback uh, from from Southern Cal to be able to start. If they got a true freshman, and and they've got to go up against, you know, Auburn comes in there with a with a always a solid defense into Athens, big rivalry. Uh, they got to go to Alabama. Uh, they got to play Florida. Uh, they got to uh, you know hope uh, seemingly resurgent Tennessee. Um, you know, Georgia Georgia may could could have three or four losses. Uh, I, I I don't think I'd stick out my neck and, and try to pick them to lose all of those. But uh, if they've got a, a new freshman quarterback coming in and he's thrown into the fire uh, early on uh, against some of those some of those teams, he could have a he could have a challenging time. Let's get into some of the evening games on ESPN Saturday night. We'll have number two Alabama at Missouri. When we've already heard a, a dozen or so players from Missouri will not play for COVID reasons. Alabama brings back everybody, almost uh, basically everyone but Tua and you know Henry Ruggs and a couple of their first round picks. But Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Dylan Moses—they are absolutely loaded, and I think Alabama absolutely puts it on Mizzou. Uh, yes, you know same same kind of situation kind of as Arkansas. Just what Missouri needs—they uh, need to have a bunch of players sick uh, when they're playing Alabama. <laughs> I mean, what kind of, what's the old deal on, on the hee-haw show? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> well, that's gotta be the the way that, uh, that Missouri feels. No, I can't, I can't see Alabama being, being given a challenge by Missouri. Uh, the, the Alabama's just too loaded. You know, Najee Harris may be the best running back in the conference. Uh, certainly their, their, uh, top two receivers are among the top half a dozen receivers in the conference. Uh, you know, they and Mac Jones is not getting enough credit. Uh, everybody's raving about, they got a, one of the top two or three high school quarterbacks in the country has come in, but I thought Jones did well. I mean, I know he, he didn't look great against Auburn, but uh, that was at Auburn, and, and Auburn had a solid defense. Uh, and uh, I, he's a he's a good quarterback. He was a very good quarterback when he was recruited, and uh, and I, so I think they're solid at quarterback. Moses coming back certainly helps them on defense. They lost some good defensive players, but uh, but they're always going to recruit good defensive players. May not have quite as much depth, but they got quality. I just can't see Missouri giving them any competition. 
One of the other night games, Vandy at a and I know uh, you mentioned you're high on Kellen Mond. That he did lose a couple of his go-to go- targets. Jamon Osmond had, did opt out a couple weeks ago, his, his leading wide receiver. But, man, I feel bad for Vanderbilt. I think this is a team that has a chance to go 0-10 this year, not even win a game in the conference. And I think the Aggies put it on them in their house. Oh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what happens. Does Does Arkansas play Vanderbilt this year? That's kind of a silly question since they loaded up Arkansas with the hardest schedule in the world, but they don't play. They, they don't, and if they both go 0-10, Lynn, I say we put them both in a bowl game at the end of the year. I, well, here's, here's the thing, Chris. <laughs> you know, with with uh, Unless the MAC, and I know at the, at the time of us talking, the Pac-12, the MAC, and the Mountain West are all three discussing coming back and getting into the uh, into the season and if they could get their seasons in in time, then they could be eligible to go to bowls. But right now, we've got 41 bowls. That's like 82 teams, <laughs> and um, and and there's and there's not that many teams even playing. And so you you actually, unless uh, 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 I don't know what they come up with, but uh, called the loser bowl. bowl. <laughs> well, it could be. You, could, you literally could say everybody that every every team that puts on a uniform this year plays in a bowl. bowl. <laughs> I mean, what if what if you? I mean, I know it's ridiculous. But you could have some teams in every league, Chris, that didn't win a game. And what if what if the only way to fulfill the bowl contract uh, was to put in a, a, a team that that went one and nine or or zero oh and ten? Right. Because the other the other option could end up being now if the other if these other three conferences come back, uh, you know, this week, next week, and say they're going to play, that makes a different matter. But if they don't, uh, you're going to have some communities that really rely on that money and, and at a time. When uh, when schools have have had a bad uh, a financial year, cities have had bad financial years because of the the COVID, because of the virus. Some of the cities, because of all these uh, rioters and everything that have torn the cities up and, and not and hurting them economically. There, um, I you know there are some of these areas that badly need to have those bowl games come in there. And I'm afraid you're going to have some that unless you know unless some of these other leagues come back in. I don't see how you're going to have enough teams to play in those bowl games. That's a shame, but I'm afraid that actually could be a possibility. Last one for you, Lynn. I I think this could be a sneaky good game this week uh, at 6.30 on uh, Saturday night, SEC Network, number 16, Tennessee at South Carolina. Let me throw this number out at you. Will Muschamp has a 7-1 record in eight games as head coach versus the Volunteers. Tennessee is three-point favorites Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium. Wow, I didn't realize that. <laughs> He's seven and one against Tennessee. Man, I didn't know that. Uh, I, wow, I'm still gonna take Tennessee. <laughs> I, I think. I think. I, I got. I really. You really made me start thinking on that one, D. I, I'm still gonna take Tennessee, and and it won't surprise me if they if they uh, lose if South Carolina beats them. I, I do think Tennessee's been more more on a roll lately than South Carolina. Um, you know, but every year, Chris and, and you and I have talked about it in in past years. Every year you say, oh, well, this is Tennessee, man. This is going to be the year that they're going to overcome it. And and sure enough, before the time you get to mid-part of the season, they will have lost a game or two that you say, you know, you would think they would have won. And and this year, only playing SEC teams, uh, you know, then that's even more because sometimes, of course, they were kind of like Arkansas. They lost a couple of their, uh, you know, non-conference games last year, and and you know, which nobody ex- expected. So, um, you know, you, I, I think Tennessee is in the process of getting it turned around and moving back in the right direction. I don't think they're to the point yet that they're consistently in the upper bracket of the league, but, but I do think they're turning around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Tennessee, but it, it's like you said, 
with the intro of that game, that's it's, it's one that could go either way. And don't forget, a lot of those were games when Will Muschamp was at Florida, where he had a much better that's roster true. than he did at South Carolina. Yep. He is Lynn Scarborough, lindysports.com. I assume you guys will still have fresh content up every week at the website? Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we've got, uh, you know, I mean, we've already, already been doing that the last couple of weeks since the college football got started. And, um, you know, come in and check out our check out our columns, check out our stuff. You know, we we know where we are in the in the pecking order. If somebody uh, wants to know what the score is in the third quarter of the game between a, a two Big Twelve teams, don't come to Lindy's because we're not going to have that. Just going to have it. We're going to have great coverage of the games. We're going to have contests. We're going to have uh, predictions. Uh, we're going to have columns, uh, and and we and we'll have original content that other people don't have. Uh, but you know we we know where we are in, in the picking order, and uh, and we've got uh, got the uh, you know our radio network, the Lindy's Football Report, that we've been uh, delighted to work with with you uh, regarding that for a number of years, and uh, still putting out our publications and still with our website. So we got a lot going on, and always uh, you know we're uh, we're always a season ahead. We we have already produced our college basketball magazines. Wow! Wow! And, yeah, they're all, they're already printed. Well, thankfully and, they, um, they've said that uh, they've set a date for those, so we will have college basketball on top of college football. Yep, they so did, they did set the date, November the twenty fifth. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, uh, Chris. They uh, they set it on the on the day that the first of those uh, preseason holiday tournaments get started, and they eliminated the games before that. They lowered the number of games uh, to be that could be allowed from thirty one or thirty two to twenty seven. Um, the things going to be interesting to me is see how they're going to handle attendance, because if you if you feel like you're not safe having uh, fifteen thousand people in a fifty thousand seat stadium with open air, then how are you going to feel safe uh, having uh, half that many people in a building with four walls and a roof on it? Yeah. So we'll we'll see. That's going to be kind of interesting to see. But I'm I'm delighted that uh, that basketball's out there. We'll uh, there'll be some there'll be some areas. Uh, that we'll start getting Lindy's basketball magazines, uh, college only. We're not doing an NBA. Uh, last year's NBA season is still going on right now. So there's no way to no way to do that. But uh, but we'll have our college basketball magazine stands with, within a few weeks in a lot of places that are probably hearing this uh, hearing this show. Lynn, great stuff. Always fun to catch up with you. LindySports.com. Lynn Scarborough. We'll have to do this again real soon. Sounds good, Chris. Talk with you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Lynn Scarborough. There, Lindy's Sports. That is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked on SEC podcast. Hey, I just saw this come across, so i got to mention it since we haven't yet on the show. Jeremy Pruitt has received a contract extension through the 2025 season. Press release says after establishing a culture of toughness, a bowl appearance, following a six-game winning streak and a top-ten recruiting class in just two seasons, Jeremy Pruitt has agreed to a contract extension through the 2025 season. Director of Athletics Philip Fulmer announced on Thursday. So there you go. Congrats to Jeremy Pruitt. Maybe he could have waited till uh, you see how this game against South Carolina plays out before they start giving him a uh, an extension. Ah, I kid. Hey, look, coming up tomorrow on the show, you do not want to me- miss it. Peter Burns of the SEC Network is going to join us. Andrew Bone, Bama Insider. He's got a new book out called The Road to Bama. He'll join us as well. We'll do some over and unders with Peter Burns as well on some of the SEC players. A reminder, you can connect with me on Twitter at Chris Gordy or at Locked on SEC. And be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app. You'll get the latest episode of Locked on SEC as soon as it's available five days a week. 
Y'all have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Head into week one of the SEC.